sheep was already up on the hill across from them before the young shepherd noticed. The distant bleats finally reached him. The boy turns in surprise and runs, shouting. His grandfather looks after him, amusement sparkling in his eyes. He had noticed the sheep moving off from the first step away from the flock. He had not said anything. He knew that the only way for the young shepherd to learn would be through his mistakes. It's a tough lesson. The old man remembered when his own father had done the same. Tired and dirty and cursing the sheep as he runs, the younger shepherd throws down his staff in frustration, tears brimming. The other sheep can sense the tension and begin to blather nervously on the hill. One or two start to move away from the rest. The young man stands halfway between the flock and the lone sheep. He doesn't know which to go after first. He is lost in his indecision. Why can't you all just behave? Some of the most peaceful men and women I've ever met have had and still have very complicated lives. Often when we think of peace, we think of a day where everything around us is calm. The problem is those days are few and far between. So if we want to experience true peace consistently, it's going to need to be a peace that has little to do with our circumstances. And that is what this story is all about. Welcome to Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. This season, join us as we explore a familiar story through those who experienced it firsthand and learned the true meaning of the birth of Jesus. This is a Christmas story. Joseph loops the last knot as he ties the donkey up for the day. He brushes the dirt from his tunic before walking to the washing basin. He had just finished the last of his chores, his favorite time of day. He knew he could spend the last of the fading light with his betrothed, Mary. He smiled to himself at the thought of her. So different from the other women in Bethlehem, quiet but fierce, shy but thoughtful. The meekness everyone else saw was only for them. She was truly a strong, faithful woman. She's far beyond me, he thinks, watching her stand in the threshold of her family home. But something is wrong. The joy and light so typical of her smile is not there today. Some unseen weight drags her shoulders and eyes downward. Joseph's heart is squeezed in his chest. He hurries towards her. He reaches her and smiles, hoping to lift her spirit. Instead, he sees tears forming, One rolls gently down her cheek, reaching the crease where her lips meet. He looks at her with deep concern. She grabs his hand and smiles weakly. These are happy tears. The words sound as if she's trying to convince herself as much as Joseph. She doesn't do either. I just saw an angel. Joseph stares at her soundlessly, bewildered, bordering on incredulity. You did? An angel like, uh... He gestures dumbly and vaguely above his head, unsure and hesitant. Yes, like from the stories of old. The two lovers stand looking beyond each other, unable to comprehend each other at that moment. I need to tell you something, Joseph. Something the angel told me. Joseph, I'm pregnant. Suddenly Joseph feels as if he's floating away without anything to grab onto. He struggles to breathe, but
but there was no air in the room anymore. The world goes dark. Someone has placed a bowl over the sun. Joseph is angry and hurt and, and sad. The sadness floods his mind and his body. The sound comes as if through water. The world no longer makes sense. He is walking before he is aware he decided to leave. He crosses the threshold, placing a hand on the wall to steady himself. He finally breathes in the air outside. He looks back one more time before he begins down the path, desperate for a sense of certainty, walking toward the only person he thinks to trust. Joseph is an interesting character in the Bible. Hardly gets any airtime, but think about this moment and suspend your understanding of the end of the story. Hey, uh, we need to talk. I'm pregnant, but don't worry, I wasn't unfaithful. It's just that God has this elaborate plan. Yeah, that's not an easy message for anyone to hear. And to make it worse, the law at the time complicated things even more. Joseph is a man who seems to always be at peace, even though he is constantly being thrown into the middle of crazy storms, including this day where he finds himself stuck between the law and a hard place. She's the last person who I would ever imagine would do this. Joseph sits in the house of his brother. Shocked doesn't begin to describe how he feels. Appalled, dismayed. She's also the last person who would lie about it. Joseph can't make sense of any of this. His brother pours the last of the wine from his wineskin into Joseph's cup. He knew his brother needed it more than he did today. He also knew he had to choose his next words quite carefully. So, so she said it was an angel. Joseph finishes his brother's questions. Yeah, she said an angel told her. The two men sit quietly and think. The thought of an angel coming at all, let alone to Nazareth, is absurd. No one would believe Mary. Look, Joseph Brothers begins, let's put aside whether we agree with her or not. There's a bigger issue. Joseph looks away. He knows what his brother is about to say. You know what happens to girls in Mary's position. You know what the law says. I love Mary like a sister already. I don't want that to happen to her. I, I don't want her to die. Joseph stays silent. So many thoughts run through his head. He cannot make sense of any of them. He closes his eyes and looks up. His brother doesn't move or say anything. He knows better than to interrupt Joseph when he's thinking. What if I, what if I just call it off quietly? Don't tell anyone what Mary has told me, just end it. Do you really think anyone would say anything? Why the secrecy? Joseph shoots a grim, hard look at his brother. It said more than his words ever could. His brother looked at the dirt. Right, people talk. Okay, so let's do this quietly. No explanation, just move on. Soon enough, everyone else will too. Joseph sighs deeply. He knows this is the best thing to do for both him and Mary. A piece of him wants revenge. To let Mary suffer whatever consequences come. Another piece of him wants to stand in front of the rocks that will inevitably come. 
He knows at this point that neither will satisfy his soul. Here's some useful Bible trivia for you that's actually really important to understanding today's story. Matthew 1 and Luke 3 both present a genealogy that leads to Jesus. Both genealogies show that Jesus is a descendant of David, as God promised, but the problem is they're two different genealogies, and they both ultimately point to Joseph. So how is that possible? In Matthew, Joseph's dad is Jacob, and in Luke, his dad is Heli. So what's going on? Well, lots of scholars believe that Matthew is following Joseph's genealogy and Luke is following Mary's. Because at the time, in a Hebraic context, only the males were mentioned in the genealogies. Meaning Luke just said Joseph even though he was referring to Mary. And I know that's confusing, but it's also fascinating and here's why. Joseph is from the line of David. By following Joseph's family tree, Matthew is showing that Jesus had the legal right, because Joseph is a male, to inherit the throne of David. And on the other side of the coin, Mary also belongs to the line of David. And by following that line, he's showing that Jesus actually came from the bloodline of David. So Jesus is from the line of David both by law and by blood. See, there was an impossibly complex missing puzzle piece in the Israelite story, and the Prince of Peace comes in and perfectly fits the mold. From his birth, he was in the business of completion and wholeness. Now back to the story. The darkness comes agonizingly slow for Joseph. He can finally lay down for the night, what starts as a fitful, restless sleep soon slips into the deepest sleep he can remember. The last thought he has before finally leaving the world, maybe when I wake up, this will all have been a terrible, terrible dream. A rush of air blows into the room. The radiant, blinding light soon follows. Joseph opens his eyes and turns toward the light, shielding his eyes. It can't be impossible. In the doorway stands an angel of the Lord. Joseph feels his heart faint in his chest. The terror of the Lord fills his soul. Joseph, do not be afraid. Joseph is a cold statue in his bed. Slowly, he feels the warmth return and rubs his eyes. I have to be dreaming. This is a dream. Joseph cannot will himself awake to escape the fear and brilliance of the angel. Wait, not be afraid? How could I not be afraid? That's an angel. The angel looks directly at Joseph. His eyes are filled with a stern kindness. Joseph feels oddly comforted by them. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Joseph attempts to speak, to cry out the impossibilities of what the angel tells him. But no words come. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. The wind rushes out of the room and the darkness returns. Joseph's eyes open and he sucks in a breath as if he'd been underwater for days. He sits up quickly and stares out into the dark. The morning light is a long way off, but Joseph knows sleep won't come tonight. After a few long moments, Joseph gets out of bed he heads to his workshop. 
He needs to feel the tools in his hands shaping the wood. Carpentry always helps him think. You probably know where I'm going here. Encounter number three starts with what? Terror on Joseph's end and a reassuring do not be afraid from the angel. I wonder if the angels sit up in heaven laughing at how reassuring they have to be. Like, guys, come on, we're on your team here. But that's not the end of the message. He continues, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. Name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Amazing. But let's also think practically for a second. The angel is setting Joseph up for social suicide here, which may feel like small ball in light of the bigger story. But remember, Joseph doesn't know the end of the story like we do. What he is hearing is be at peace, even though you have every reason not to be. So what does this third encounter with an angel show us? That peace is on its way, but it may not look quite like you thought it would. So it may be helpful, real quick, to distinguish between internal and external shalom. I don't think those are official terms, but it makes sense in my mind. External shalom is when everything around you is at peace, which is wonderful, but also rare. It doesn't happen often, and we have very little control over it. Internal shalom, on the other hand, is the ability to be at peace in the middle of a crazy world. Inner shalom is grounded in something deeper than circumstances. It's grounded in a deep belief that we have received what the writer of Hebrews calls a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The Prince of Peace came to establish a different kind of kingdom. It's not an easy one. It's not one that we can often understand. It's something better than all of that. And when we follow him, we begin to learn to tap into that Think about that moment the disciples were freaking out in the middle of a literal storm and Jesus is just catching a nap. Jesus is experiencing internal shalom while the disciples are longing for external shalom. They're terrified and so they wake him up and Jesus just stands up and says to the storm, peace be still. Because when you've mastered internal shalom, external peace begins to follow you wherever you go. And remember, that peace that is on its way may not look quite like you thought it would. The plane moves almost independently of Joseph. The long, curved shavings fall absently to the floor. He suddenly looks at the table he's been working on. When did I start this? He shakes his head. Work isn't the point today. Not really. It's just a pretense for thinking. He sighs and tosses the plane down on the table. Is any of this real? Am I truly to believe a dream? The absurdities just keep coming. Yet, Joseph cannot get one line of scripture out of his mind. Besides woodworking, the word of God had always helped comfort Joseph. He tried to be a faithful follower of the Lord, fulfilling the law as best he could. He remembers this particular line from the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
God with us. He repeats the words under his breath over and over, beating a rhythm on the wood as he says them. The verse begins to work its way into him. It brings relief to his ragged soul. Each time he repeats it, he believes in its promise that much more. It doesn't make any more sense to him, though. The virgin will conceive? No one will believe us. No one, and yet. And yet. What if this is the moment all of Israel has been waiting for? Generations upon generations waiting in exile for the return of the Lord. Who was the last one to see an angel? And now he and Mary had both seen one. The plane slips from his hand as the clarity of thought returns to Joseph. He looks, bewildered, at the table he's been working on and laughs, mirth exploding from his lungs. He laughs with joy. He has trouble catching his breath. He laughs until tears roll down his cheeks, mixing with the sawdust. He smiles as he leaves his workshop. His mind is made up. It is time. He heads towards Mary's house to take her home as his wife. Emmanuel, God with us. I think one of the reasons we figure out a million different ways to tell the Christmas story is because all we can hope to do is grapple with the mystery that is Emmanuel. I mean, that's why stories are so amazing, right? They create a dance floor for us to two-step with truth, to wrestle with the deepest existential questions out there. Because the mysteries of God are not things that we will never be able to comprehend. No, 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 the mysteries of God are things we will never stop understanding more. The mystery of Emmanuel, of God with us, is a gift that never stops giving. It's a story that can never be overtold, so simple a child can understand it, and yet so elaborate we will never get to the end of it. So what was going through Joseph and Zechariah's mind as they got thrown into these strange roles in such an extraordinary moment? Well, I don't know. That's kind of the beauty of it, right? I certainly can't get us all the way there. All we can really do is tell a story. At the same time Joseph reconciles with Mary, another strange and astonishing day dawns in the hill country of Judea. Zechariah and Elizabeth sit, staring at their newborn baby, who has come so late in their life. John. Unknowingly, both think this together, naming their boy without the other being aware. Clearly, this is no ordinary child. It has been eight days since Elizabeth labored to bring her child forth, and from the first moment she and Zechariah laid eyes on him, they knew the child was special. Neighbors had all agreed, and not out of mere politeness, but because something seemed to surround the child, a glow of holiness that no one could ignore. But now it was time to name him. The neighbors had brought food and comfort for seven days. Tradition called for the parents to circumcise and initiate the boy into the long legacy of the Israelites. You're going to name him Zechariah, yes, after his father? Elizabeth hadn't looked up from her son very often, and she had spoken even less, but now she did both. No, his name is John. 
Her neighbors murmured uneasily and looked at Zechariah. They had tolerated his silence for months, but surely now, of all days, he must speak. He would surely want his one and only son to carry on his name. Zechariah stared back at them and gestured for his tablet, the one they had given him to communicate since he saw the angel. He writes carefully and deliberately. His name is John. Everyone looks at him stunned. Zechariah wasn't paying attention. He looked with pride at his son in Elizabeth's arms. As soon as he had written the boy's name, he felt his tongue unlock. It clicked against his teeth. He felt low vibrations in his throat. His voice was back. It flooded into his lungs and soul, mixing with the gratitude and excitement already present. He felt renewed. He felt wonderful. He felt love. Love like he had never known, inexplicably filling his body, flowing and crashing against the boundaries of his being. All his neighbors and family were watching him in disbelief as he moved about the room with his son. He couldn't care any less for what they thought. He stopped suddenly and handed John back to Elizabeth and faced everyone in the room. He smiled as the song that had been building in him for months burst. An often overlooked piece of the Christmas story is the difficult lessons Joseph and Zechariah had to learn. This was an incredibly humbling season for both of them, but through the storm, they both learned how to experience inner peace despite their circumstances. And so our four steps are beginning to come together. Now let's review. Step one, do not be afraid because God's not angry. Step two, do not fret because God's the one moving this whole thing forward. And now step three, do not worry. This peace I am giving you transcends your circumstances. Other people and life events aren't always going to be easy to deal with. But just because our external world may be crazy, full of disagreements and fallouts and relationships and all of that, that doesn't mean we have to lose our inner peace. Joseph learned it, Zechariah learned it, and now we can learn it too. And so as we head into our final episode, we are finally ready to answer our big question. What really happened that fateful night in Bethlehem? And in proper biblical fashion, the answer to that question is given to the most humble of people, lowly shepherds faithfully keeping watch over their flock at night. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. To find out more about the project, visit our website, storiesinscripture.com, follow us on Instagram at storiesinscripture.com, or on Twitter at SIS Project. And please rate and review us on iTunes.